Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96, Comcast Xfinity, and Channel 30, Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Four Things to Know from the Selectman Meeting by Joanna K. Zavallis. Merit increase for the Belmont Police Chief. The Selectman approved a recommendation by Town Administrator Patrice Garvin for a 2% merit increase retroactive to 2017 for Belmont Police Chief Richard McLaughlin, bringing his salary from $175,094 in fiscal year 2017 to $185,567 in fiscal year 2019, inclusive of all contractual obligations such as 12 paid holidays and first responder stipend. Garvin, who is in the process of reviewing all non-union employees, gave McLaughlin the highest marks. I find him to be one of the most utmost to be of the utmost integrity and overall his performance is out of a one to five scale exceeds expectations, she said. Belmont's human resources director, Jessica Porter, said she believes this was the chief's first formal review in terms of it being documented and brought before the selectmen. The selectmen also approved McLaughlin's request to extend his contract to December 31, 2019, from July 1, 2019, because he will be getting close to his retirement age. His salary will remain flat as of July 1, 2019. The Belmont Savings Bank Clock. The Belmont Center will be getting a new clock. Compliments of the Belmont Savings Bank Foundation and Belmont Savings Bank. The selectmen accepted the gift pending zoning and permit approvals and town administrator and planning board review and approval. It will be located on the recently improved Green Space Delta in front of the Belmont Savings Bank and Belmont Center. The exact location has not been finalized and will be mutually agreed upon by the bank and the selectmen. The clock will be a four-sided black and gold detail and 15 feet tall and purchased from the electric time of Medfield. At this time, the bank does not have a timeline of when the new clock will be installed. Town of Belmont will be printed on the top of the clock face border and Belmont Savings Bank on the bottom of the clock face border, as well as a plaque that says proudly gifted by Belmont Savings Bank Foundation. Community Path Project Committee. The selectmen approved the charge of a new town committee to replace the Community Path Implementation Advisory Committee. It will also be called the Community Path Project Committee. That's CPPC. The committee will have nine members, including four ex officio members and five residents approved by the selectmen for three-year terms. 
Fence viewers, the selectmen appointed the director and assistant director of community development as the town's fence viewers. According to Selectman Chairman Adam Dash, the fence viewer is a third party from the town who can issue an order related to fence issues in town, such as disputes between neighbors or a fence in need of repair. Selectman Vice Chairman Mark Paolilio asked Town Administrator Patrice Garvin to look at compensation for the additional responsibility. According to Garvin, fence viewers may earn no less than $1 per day. And now on to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. This year's One Book, One Belmont Community Read by Giovanna K. Zavellis. The monster from Frankenstein is going to be a frequent visitor to Belmont over the next 10 weeks as it has been selected as the Belmont Public Library's titled for one Book, One Belmont, 2018, the library's seventh community reading program since it began in 2008. According to Belmont Public Library Director Peter Struziero, Frankenstein is celebrating its 200th year since publication in 2018. Communities all over the world are celebrating Mary Shelley and her masterpiece with readings of the book and programs focused on its themes. I've always loved this title and presented the opportunity to key players in the effort, he said. Deep love for the novel. In fact, Struziero has his own collection of Frankenstein books in his office library. He said when he was a child, he was a reluctant reader. He, I was destined to grow into a librarian from the beginning. I had a lot of trouble reading and focusing as a child, but I was also pretty stubborn and determined to find my way into enjoying books. Early on, I connected with a series called the Crestwood Monster Series, bright orange books with lots of pictures that I'd take home from my local Billerica Public Library. Frankenstein was the one I liked the most, said Struziero. As life moved on, Struziero said his love of Frankenstein grew. As I aged, I'd grow into longer versions of Frankenstein with less pitches until, as a teenager, I went through the full original text. In college, a deep love for the book, its author, and the themes only grew. And at this point, it's the book I own the most copies of and go through routinely about every two years, always learning something different in each read, he said. Ethics, philosophy, creation, regret, solitude, loneliness, acceptance, overcoming obstacles, and obsession are the themes, Struziero said, have attracted him to the story, and he hopes the Belmont community will enjoy it as much as he does. To help with this, he and his One Book, One Belmont Committee have planned a series of programs for all ages from October 4 through November 1, taking place at the library, Beach Street Center, and Belmont High School. Movies, Discussions, and Pumpkins. One of the programs is a month-long art exhibit at the Belmont Gallery of Art, Monster Misunderstood 
Studio Cinema will be showing the movie Young Fran Frankenstein at 6.30 p.m. on October 4th. The Human Rights Commission is running a talk on the experience of being an outsider called The Monster Within at 7 p.m. on October 18th. The Recreation Department is hosting a pumpkin decorating event in honor of Frankenstein from 3 to 5 p.m. on October 26th. Teens will have a Frankenstein-themed escape room on October 27th. The final event on November 1st will feature author Charlotte Gordon as the guest speaker. Gordon wrote Romantic Outlaws, The Extraordinary Lives of Mary Wollstonecraft and Mary Shelley, and will focus her talk on life of Mary Shelley, her mother Mary Wollstonecraft, and the lasting impact of her novel. To pr promote one book, one Belmont, the committee is having photographer Aideen Storer take photos of local town officials and employees reading the book at different locations around town. The Belmont Citizen Herald will feature a poster every week through November 1st. Belmont Media Center is also having a readathon featuring 30 town officials reading a chapter of each book, such as Ellen Schreiber, Anne-Marie Mahoney, State Senator Will Brownsberger, State Representative David Rogers, and many more familiar names. The readathon recordings will be available on audio and video beginning October 1st. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire, and welcome back. Thank you. Belmont at high risk for West Nile virus. The Massachusetts Department of Public Health alerted the Belmont Health Department on August 27th about the fourth human case of West Nile virus in the state this year. The person is a woman in her 50s from Middlesex County who was never hospitalized for her illness. Three other cases were reported on August 24th. Belmont is now one of 11 Boston communities with a high risk level for West Nile virus, WNV. According to the press release from the Massachusetts Department of Public Health, investigations conducted by state public health officials indicate that at least two of the four cases were exposed in the greater Boston area, leading them to raise the risk level from moderate to high for 11 communities in the area. Those communities are Arlington, Boston, Belmont, Brookline, Cambridge, Chelsea, Everett, Medford, Newton, Somerville, and Watertown. It is extremely important for people to take steps to avoid mosquito bites, including using repellents, wearing clothing to reduce exposed skin, dumping standing water, and moving indoors when you notice mosquitoes biting you, said DPH st state epidemiologist Dr. Catherine Brown. WNV is usually transmitted to humans through the bite of an infected mosquito. While WNV can infect people of all ages, people over the age of 50 are at higher risk for severe disease. Most people infected with WNV will have no symptoms. When present, WNV symptoms tend to include fever and flu-like illness. In rare cases, more severe illnesses can occur. People can take steps to protect themselves and their loved ones from illnesses caused by mosquitoes. Over to you, Bob. Thanks, Max. Getting ready for Belmont Porch Fest by Joanna K. Zavallis. 
Anyone driving through Belmont between the hours of 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. on September the 8th will surely hear or see one or more of the 75 performance performers who have signed up for this town's first annual Belmont Porch Fest. The rain date is Sunday, September the 9th. 62 homeowners from precincts 1 through 8 have volunteered their porches or patios for one of the three two-hour time slots throughout the day between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. According to Mary Bradley, president of the Belmont Porch Fest Incorporated and executive director for the Belmont Porch Fest Planning Committee, they grouped the eight precincts by zones. Zone 1, Pre- Zone 1, which will cover precincts 2 and 8, will have performances from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Zone 2, which covers precincts 3, 4, and 5, will have performances and hosts from 1 to 3 p.m. And Zone 3, covering precincts 1, 6, and 7, will have performers and hosts from 3 to 5 p.m. The idea behind the zones is to celebrate the different neighborhoods and encourage as much foot and bike traffic as possible. We hope people walk or bike, relying minimally on vehicles traverse to traverse our town, said Bradley. There will be volunteers at Belmont Porch Fest tables in each zone where visitors can get water, ask questions, or buy a souvenir to benefit Belmont Porch Fest Incorporated. The grand finale will take place at Grove Street Park from 5 to 7 p.m. and will feature performances by the Belmont High School Marauders Marching Band and the School of Honk. At 7 p.m., the entire town will be invited to participate in a song together in what we are calling One Town Sound, said Bradley. Bradley's first experience with a porch fest was in Arlington Arlington last year. She loved it so much that she formed her own committee one year ago to get it started in Belmont. She said it's been positive but challenging. We were all really unprepared for how much time it was going to take and how many details there were going to be, said Bradley. Her hope is for this to become a music and art event for everyone in the community to enjoy and participate in. Bradley and the Belmont Porch Fest Planning Committee adopted multiple strategies to encourage people to participate, such as opening the event to any kind of arts performance, including readings and dancing. Bradley is also pleased at how many young members of the Belmont community will be participating. She said they have well over 100 youth have registered to participate. Local businesses and organizations have also been very supportive of the Belmont Porch Fest, such as Belmont Savings Bank, Realtor Ann Mahone, the Massachusetts Cultural Council, Gallagher Remodeling, Adeline Stora Photography, and Belmont Against Racism. Bradley said Stone Hearth Pizza has offered to provide a free slice of pizza to all the elementary through high school Porch Fest volunteers and performers at the grand finale, and we'll have pizza available for purchase for the rest of the audience. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. The artist behind Porch Fest logo by Shelley Bertolino and Mary Bradley. Hopefully, you have seen the whimsical yard signs and banners around town advertising Belmont's first Porch Fest. 
Here's the backstory on how these eye-catching announcements came to be. Designs were solicited from Belmont Middle and High School students. The entries were sent to representatives from the Recreation Department, Porch Fest donors, and people from the Porch Fest Planning Committee. The directions were simple. Choose the logo you think best represents Porch Fest. Though many creative submissions were received, sixth grader Kira Davidson's clearly stood, stood out. Kira's logo, an assortment of critters playing an assortment of instruments, captures the celebratory spirit that has made Porch Fest such a phenomenon. Every type of performer is welcome at this kind of an event, and the audience is as integral to the event as the performers, as Kira's seal, lion, dog, and frog attest. For Kira's logo to make its way onto banners, t-shirts, water bottles, and yard signs, a graphic designer was needed. Luckily for Porch Fest organizers, Aideen Stora serendipitously came into the picture. Mary Bradley, one of the principal organizers, was at the Belmont Art Gallery visiting with the director, Rebecca Richards. Stora just happened to be there, and Richards introduced them. Stora volunteered on the spot. Stora has been doing graphic design work for the Belmont community for decades, primarily for the library, where she has done graphics for One Book, One Belmont, and the Belmont Art Gallery, where she is on the board. She is a biologist by training, but her deep interest in photography led her to learning Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator. Stora spoke of the importance of a strong visual hook to draw the viewer in and felt Kira's characters had real energy. Primary colors were chosen for the background to mimic a child's painting. Kids make things very readable, Stora said. Here is the sky, it's blue. Here's the grass, it's green. Stora describes her personal work as being at the intersection of photography and graphic arts. Some of her favorite projects involve making Photoshop collages of people's pets. Above all, she believes in creating community through art. Here's Max now. Thanks, Claire. Looking ahead to the new school year by Joanna Cates of Ellis. Belmont School Committee Chairman Susan Burgess Cox has enjoyed a brief summer hiatus from her duties and shared her thoughts for the coming year with the Citizen Herald in a recent email interview. Burgess Cox was recently re-elected to the school committee in April. What do you think will be the greatest decisions the school committee will need to make this coming year? This year, the school committee will work with the Belmont High School Building Committee to advance the building of a new grades 7 through 12 school. This is an ongoing project that has already involved several decisions by both groups and will require additional work and decisions decision-making in the months ahead. Financial forecasting for the district and town will also be a long-term project for the school committee and administration. What will, <coughs> what will be the most important items on the September 11th meeting agenda? One of the most important items will be an update from the Belmont High School Building Committee on the work they have accomplished over the summer. This group works tirelessly to ensure that this new building will be a wise investment for Belmont. 
What do you hope to accomplish as chairman of the school committee this academic year? I look forward to working with a group that will move some important projects forward, such as the new school building, addressing long-term issues related to after-school care, and continuing discussions of school start times. What do you think is the most important thing a parent can do to prepare their children for the year ahead? Showing support and understanding as children transition from the summer into the school year is important. The new school year is a change for everyone and those first few weeks can be difficult. What's your advice to new families in Belmont with school-aged children attending Belmont Public Schools? While we are all busy with work and other activities, participating in school-related events can be rewarding as well as a great way to meet other families. Several of the PTA PTOs have events over the summer for new families and post information on their group Facebook page or website. The leaders and members of these groups are a great resource for new families and work hard to make everyone feel welcome. Over to you, Bob. Thanks, Max. Looking at the Impractical Cost of Preschool by Eli Sherman. As summer ends and school begins, families are busy making plans for last-minute trips to the beach, backyard barbecues, weekend getaways, and back-to-school shopping. But for some, those with young children, the end of summer will be spent saving money to pay for the coming year's preschool bill. The, the reality is that the cost of child care outpaces what families can afford, said Kim, Kim Davenport, managing director of birth to third grade alignment at Edward Street Child Services, a nonprofit in Worcester. It's a huge percentage of families' cost of living, so it becomes very difficult to make ends meet when they have one child and even more often when they have two. Without taxpayers' support, Massachusetts families pay between $12,000 and $18,000 per child for preschool and early childhood care per year. And while low-income families receive subsidies through programs such as Head Start, advocates argue it's not enough. For families that don't qualify, there's little support. The lower middle class is experiencing this challenge, especially as minimum wage rises, Davenport said. In 2016, the Economic Policy Institute reported early childhood care expenses in Massachusetts exceed the cost for college. The think tank calculated the average annual cost for a four-year-old totaled $12,781, which is nearly 20% more than the annual cost of in-state tuition for a four-year public college. The expense is likely contributing to the fact that 67,470, or about 30% of preschool-age children in Massachusetts don't currently receive any formal education, according to Strategies for Children. Titus Dosremedios, the director of research and policy at the Belmont nonprofit, says most families don't have the means. Across Massachusetts, people are ready for more preschool, Dosremedios said. Parents want this learning opportunity for their children, but often can't afford to be, can't afford it, or are on a waiting list. Solving for the issue, however, isn't simple, and a large part of it stems from cost. 
Belmont's Christ Lutheran Nursery School, which was established in 1950, accepts vouchers from Quincy Community Action Program Incorporated, a state-funded program that provides financial support for families in need of child care. Didi Arroyo, director of the Christ Lutheran Nursery School, said she advises parents to send their children to preschool. Children benefit from socializing with peers, problem-solving, and education, as well as learning how to do things on their own. These things are required when a child enters kindergarten, she said. Christ Lutheran's preschool curriculum is designed to prepare children to make the transition to kindergarten with the developmental milestones needed, said Arroyo, including recognizing number and letters, following a schedule, comprehending the concept of time, math and science experience, fine motor and large motor skill development, socializing, communication, and also problem solving. And now over to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Belmont's more affordable option. There are several other preschool programs in Belmont, including the Belmont Integrated Preschool housed in the Wellington Elementary School. This preschool has programs four mornings a week for three-year-olds and four afternoons a week for four-year-olds, as well as six limited slots for full day, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., four days per week. According to Ken Kramer, Director of Student Services for Belmont Public Schools, the cost is much more reasonable than regular preschools, $3,550 per year for half-day students, 5100 per year for extended day. There are 15 students per class, eight who are typical and no more than seven who have individualized education plans. With three adults per class, the student-teacher ratio is one to five. Brianna Wall, director of the Belmont Integrated Preschool, said typically developing students who attend learn tolerance and that not all students are the same. They learn that you're going to have kids that may look or act different, talk different, learn differently, but it's okay, she said. Preschool Expansion Grant. Making preschool more affordable, nonetheless, has garnered some support over the years. In 2014, the state received a four-year, $60 million preschool expansion grant, or PEG, from the U.S. Department of Education. The money went toward expanding preschool programs in Boston, Holyoke, Lawrence, Lowell, and Springfield, and has helped about 850 children each year attend preschool in those communities. Building off those results, the state allocated grant funding from fiscal 2016 through fiscal 2018 for cities and towns to create preschool expansion plans. The plans are supposed to serve as blueprints for what it would take to set up the infrastructure for private public systems, should more money be made available. 18 communities have received the grants, including Athol, Brockton, Fall River, New Bedford, Somerville, Worcester, and Salem. 18 Massachusetts communities have solid plans for preschool expansion and are waiting for new public dollars to begin implementation. Dos Remedios said, 
state and local funding can help level the playing field for young children and provide more families with access to learn early learning programs. Now, over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Pedestrian struck by motor vehicle by Joanna Kate Suvelis. A 39-year-old female pedestrian was struck by a white van at 8.25 a.m. on August 28th in the crosswalk while crossing Lexington Street, according to Assistant Belmont Police Chief Jason McIsaac. The motor vehicle was entering Lexington Street from Sycamore Street. According to McIsaac, the woman suffered serious injuries and was transported to Beth Israel Hospital. Belmont police closed the intersection and traffic was detoured for approximately two hours. The victim's name has not been released. The pedestrian crash is being investigated by the Belmont police in conjunction with the Massachusetts State Police Coalition uh, Collision Analysis and Reconstruction Section, according to McIsaac. Pending the conclusion of the investigation, no charges have been filed. Raised tables were added to reduce speed on Lexington Street in late summer 2016, according to Glenn Clancy, Director of Community Development. Since then, McIsaac said, the number of accidents has gone down. In 2016, there were seven accidents at that intersection. In 2017, there were two. Since January of 2018, there have been three accidents. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you have enjoyed the show. Additionally, we would like to thank our colleague uh, Thomas for his help over the summer. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.